Well, thank you guys for coming out tonight. What a blessing to have you here. And for all of you guys online, actually a little chilly tonight, but uh, it's great to have you guys. Again, um, we're in our precious marriage study as we've been going through this, looking at First Peter. Uh, we're in chapter one as we go through the word and uh, just in case. And uh, again, in our series, we have seen Peter, who's talking to pilgrims and pilgrims on a pilgrimage, um, travelers on a journey to a holy place, and that is where each one of us, in a sense, um, that's where we find ourselves, even now, even tonight, we find ourselves as pilgrims on a journey. And yet in this pilgrimage, and especially the pilgrimage of marriage, uh, it's not just one of us traveling, there's two of us as we're kind of going along. And yet Peter says on the pilgrimage, there are going to be distractions trying to get you off the track, off the, the path that God would desire us to get on. There are going to be the fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. There's going to be walking through the valley of Baca or weeping or pain. And yet all of these, we see the Lord saying, hey, keep your eyes on me and you're going to make it through. And yet last week, we kind of started what I'm going to call a few of the little lists. So like for guys, it was a playbook. For ladies, it's a shopping list. And yet he's giving us instructions of the way in which we need to run our routes or the things we need to buy at the store. There are specific things that he's asking us to do. And so as we are in this, um, we are to conduct ourselves in a specific way. We learned last week we're to gird up the loins of our mind or prepare our minds for action. Again, what's going on in the mind is where the battle is oftentimes at. That's why the Scripture tells us be transformed in renewing of our minds. But then it said, be sober or self-controlled. I have a missionary friend who always tells me that he believes the reason self-control is the last of the fruits of the Spirit is because it's so hard to do for so many of us. And yet he's telling us, be sober, be self-controlled. Again, allowing the Holy Spirit to do within us what we can't accomplish. And then it was to rest your hope upon the grace of God or make sure that your hope is in him, not of the things of this world, holding on to Jesus, abiding in him, seeking first the kingdom of God. The Lord says he takes care of the rest. And then he said to not conform to evil desires or former lusts. And again, we looked at that scripture in 2 Corinthians, and such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord, Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. And lastly, to be set apart or to be uh, holy as he is holy, uh, to be dedicated to the Lord. And again, when God tells us to be holy, again, it's not just in our personal life, but it's in our marriage as well. Just like the Lord wants us to be set apart for him, in a sense, that's what holy means to be dedicated to, set apart to. Husbands, we're required to be set apart for our wives. Wives, you're required to be set apart for your husbands. It works kind of both ways. And yet tonight, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Peter 1, 17 through 21, and I kind of labeled my side the, uh, the, the precious blood. And so we'll start with the ladies. Okay. Well, that's what I labeled mine, too. <laughs> that was on your paper. 
But you know, I just I wrote down precious blood and I put precious price because as we sang about tonight and as we are going to see with some of these scriptures, there was a very high price and cost that um, Jesus had to pay for our redemption and for our um, ransom. So again today, Peter continues to remind us of the wonderful living hope that we have in him. And just picking up right in verse 17, he begins by saying, and if you call on the Father, and for me, that just really jumped out for us as ladies. You know, we, we like to talk on our phones. We like to chat with one another. We like to call. And yet, what a privilege that we have that we can call on our Heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, but I remember a pastor way back when once said to us, do you know God's phone number? God has a phone number. It's Jeremiah 33.3, and this is what it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And I just love, just right off the bat, Peter gives us a promise that we can call upon him. He's always available. He's always willing to listen. He's never too busy or preoccupied with a game or with something else. He cares about the things that concern us. Psalms 138 verse 8 says this, The Lord will perfect that which concerns us. He cares about the things that we're going through. And sometimes, though our spouses care about us and they want to be in tune with the things that are going on, we can't always be there for one another. It's just impossible because life happens continuously and there's continuous cares and concerns in our world. And so sometimes we have to be okay with maybe Pat's not available right now. Maybe he is preoccupied with something else. But the Lord is always there when I call upon him. And he cares about the things that um, concern me. Also, we're going to see something later as we get into chapter 5 of 1 Peter when um, he reminds us of another promise from the Lord to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. You know, life is difficult and we are living in very stressful times. But dear sisters, we do have a place to turn, someone that we can turn to and lean upon, and his name is Jesus. Today, we're going to see what lengths that he went to in order to prove to us just how much he cares for us, just how much he loves us. You know, I, need, I know I need to be reminded of this often. And how many times I want to try to dump all my cares on Pat. You know, he walks in the door, and I just want to tell him every little thing that went wrong, and, and then this and that, and how I expect him to be able to carry those burdens, to even be able to understand what my whole conversation was about and make sense of what I'm trying to tell him. And sometimes that's an unrealistic expectation as a wife, and how I then get frustrated with, did you not just hear what I said, or do you not care? You know, he can try to come alongside and lift me up, but ultimately, only Jesus is meant to carry my burdens. And so that, I just find a really important thing that we can see right here, and Peter's going to remind us of. So when we call upon the Father, we look to God's next guarantee in that verse, and it says, who without partiality. And again, I thought, wow, what a timely little expression for the days that we live in. You know, it's a promise that there's no partiality with our Father in heaven. He has not the slightest amount of favoritism. There's no bias in him. There's no racism. Anyone and all of us can come to him at any time. He will welcome anyone that comes to him. One time we were somewhere, I can't remember where, but we saw this person that had a t-shirt on and I just loved it. It said, Jesus loves you, 
but I'm his favorite. And I just really like that whole idea because you know what? You know, that person maybe thought that, but the reality is Jesus does love each of us, but we're all his favorite. It doesn't matter what gender we are, what race we are, where we live, what we drive, any of that. We are all his favorite, and he will go to great lengths that none of us should perish. It goes on in that verse 17 to say that he judges according to each one's work. Now, as believers, sisters, we're already saved. This isn't about our salvation. If you believe in Jesus Christ tonight, you are saved. You are going to heaven. But we will be judged and rewarded based on how we conduct ourselves here on this earth. That's why Peter goes on to say, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So when I read that expression, fear of him, you know, we live in a world where I don't want to be afraid of people. I hope that as spouses, we're not afraid of our spouse. That's not the kind of fear and trembling that this is talking about. This is talking about the fear of the Lord, a healthy respect and reverence for the Lord God our, our Almighty. It's a sense of awe and for his majesty and his holiness, uh, just a reverence for God who came to be our Savior. And that reverence is going to cause me, as a woman of the Lord, to behave in such a way that my ultimate desire is going to be to obey and please him. So when we walk in the fear of the Lord, ladies, as, as godly women, it is going to cause us to behave in a right way. When we think about what would Jesus do, what would Jesus want me to do here, it's going to create in us this healthy response of, I think I'll do this. I think I won't do that because we want to obey and please him. The choice that we have as women to love God and to honor him while choosing to hate sin and to, and to hate evil. Psalm 1 and 28 verse 1 says this, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Ladies, there is blessings when we choose to walk in the ways of the Lord. And you know what the wonderful part of that is? Maybe on any given day or in any given moment, your wonderful Prince Charming isn't choosing to walk in the ways of the Lord. It doesn't matter. When we choose to walk in the fear of the Lord, there is blessing in that for us. And the added bonus is when we are pleasing God, more than likely, we're going to be pleasing our, our husband as well. Verse 18 goes on to say, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. You know, that word redeemed, another um, version says ransomed. And I, I just really love that word ransom. God paid a ransom for you and for me. You know, you think about a ransom. That usually means that someone really rich or famous or very influential um, gets kidnapped or something or, I don't know, hijacked or whatever. And the people take him for or her for a reason because they know that the family will be willing to pay the price to secure their safe return. Now, you think about us. We have nothing to offer to God. There's no real reason for him to waste his resources on us. And yet, because of his great love for me and for you, Jesus was willing to pay the ultimate price for our sins in order to ransom us. That is an amazing thought when you think about it. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, maybe today or tonight, your marriage is not as perfect as it could be. You know what? Be reminded, someone greater loves you. That someone is Jesus. And I, I love this verse because it says, We weren't redeemed with corruptible things. What are corruptible things? 
you know, corrupt money and so, you know, silver and gold. We don't carry around silver and gold so much, but we carry credit cards and we have lines of credit and we have this and our debit cards and our Apple Pay and all that kind of stuff. How much of our marriage do we spend having issues over corruptible things? Think about that. You know, wasting time arguing and debating and being upset with one another over corruptible things. Corruptible means they're going to go away. They're going to be gone. You know, money and finances, I, I don't know if it's in the top five or just the top ten. Top five? Finances is in the top five issues that mar- most marriages have to deal with and have problems with. So think about that. Remember, we got married and we said, for richer or for poorer. But when we find ourselves sometimes on that side of the poorer, that side of the scale that's poorer, it can create attitudes in us and stress and striving and sometimes harsh words with one another, division. You know, th- think about that, how, you know, we can, can get to that place of, well, you're not really providing, and how, why don't you get another job, and this and that. And just remember, even I think Pastor Jeff said it on Sunday, we need money. It's not a bad thing. Life costs money, and it's a blessing to have money. So that's, money is not the issue. But as godly wives, let's ask him to help us to keep it all in perspective. Silver and gold are going to lose their value. They only cause us to worry, to strive, to stress, put demands on ourselves, on our spouse. And just as I said, sometimes then we end up treating each other poorly. We say harsh things to one another because we're worried about this money we don't have. Be careful of those things. Let's not let money rule our lives and rule in our hearts. We need to trust Jesus as women of God, as wives We need to trust Jesus. If things are lacking, we need to ask Jesus. Remember what it says in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. God knows what we have need of. He's going to take care of us. And the ultimate thing is money can't buy salvation anyways. There's no inheritance on this earth that can compare to the inheritance that Peter is telling us about that God has given to us. And especially since when you think about it, the wages of our sin is death. What we deserve, what we really deserve to inherit is death and damnation. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this gift of God came to us. It's the most extravagant gift we'll ever receive. No matter how good a shopper your husband is and what wonderful gifts he might get for you, you'll never receive a gift as extravagant as the salvation and the redemption that Jesus has secured for us. And it cost him his life. Verse 19 goes on, but the precious blood of Christ. Now, I started thinking about that. I've spent a lot of time in the last three weeks in a hospital, taking care and kind of helping my father. And I started thinking about blood. Okay, the blood you see in a hospital is not very precious. It's dirty. It's kind of like, oh, get away from me. It represents pain and injury and death and maybe infection and disease, all kinds of yucky things. You wouldn't really associate that with the word precious, but the blood of Jesus is precious because it bought us forgiveness and it bought us mercy and it bought us cleansing from all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our pain and it buys us new life. So that's why Peter tells us this is the precious blood of Jesus. Isaiah 53 tells us that he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. 
the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus paid it all. Yes, it's true, just like the song says, we all to him we do owe. Look what he has accomplished for us. Do you have grief tonight? Maybe there's grief with your spouse right now. Jesus, it says in Isaiah 53, he bore that grief. Do you have any sorrows? Maybe even some sorrow in your relationships right now. Jesus said he carried that sorrow. Do you have sins and problems? Jesus was wounded and bruised and died for all of that. Jesus is the only hope for the peace in our homes, for peace in our marriages, for peace in my heart. By his stripes, it says, there can be healing. Physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever kind of healing you need tonight, Jesus, by his stripes, he can provide that for us. We can't do anything. We can't achieve anything. We can't buy anything to redeem ourselves or even fix our marriages. Only the blood of Jesus can ransom us. Verse 20 goes on to say that it was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times. The New Living says it like this. God chose him as a ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. You know, Jesus's death on the cross was not an afterthought. It wasn't like God was up in heaven saying, oh, wow, bummer. Look at those people down there. Look at those couples. What a mess they're making of everything. I better, we better come up with a plan. It wasn't like that. It says before the world began, they had a plan that Jesus was going to come to earth knowing that he was born to die for our sins. It's all part of God's amazing plan, his amazing purpose, his mission accomplished. Warren Worsby said this, Christ's death was an appointment, not an accident. It was his destiny, not a defeat. Remember what Romans 5.8 tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us, even while we were still sinners. Jesus gives us hope tonight, ladies. Through him, we have forgiveness, we have mercy, we have grace. Verse 21 goes on to say, who through him believe in God. We believe in God and what he says in his word because he did pay it all and we owe all to him. We ought to be living all for him. It says he raised him from the dead. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to me and to you through his Holy Spirit. He can even raise our marriages from the dead if they need that tonight when we ask him and allow him to have his way in our hearts and in our lives. And finally, it says, and he gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. When we see God's mighty power at work in our lives and in our marriages, our faith is going to grow. We see that we can trust him with everything, even with our spouse, even with our marriage. Faith and hope in God. Though many don't even agree with it anymore, our coins still say, in God we trust. And that ought to be our mantra here and now. You know, it's not faith and hope in this world. It's not faith and hope in the outcome of the elections or the way things used to be. But in Christ alone, we should put our trust. He is the one who died to set us free. Proverbs 23, 17 through 18 says this, don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. Amen. Amen. You know, we actually, 
you know, the Stater Brothers grocery stores, we knew the daughter of one of the Stater Brothers, and she was actually kidnapped and held for ransom. Uh, when Mary was talking about that, I'm thinking, hey, yeah, we know somebody that actually that happened to. But anyways, for us guys, uh, precious blood in our lives, within our marriages. Men, listen, understand something. I, I believe this is something that can make or break your walk with the Lord. It will make or break your relationship with your wife as well. Because of what the precious blood accomplishes, the precious blood brings about forgiveness of sin, my sin, your sin, the person sitting next to you's sin. The precious blood is the only thing that it can accomplish uh, the two becoming one. Um, for us as husbands, to love your lives, to, to love your wives, to lay down your life for her, to follow Jesus' footsteps and wash your wife's feet. The precious blood is the only thing that allows us really to be able to do that in the right way. Uh, It allows for sinners, which we are, to come to the presence of a holy, righteous God. The precious blood washes us, it sanctifies us, it justifies us. The precious blood makes each one of us, people who were once not people of God, to become the people of God of God. It allows us to no longer walk in, in, in darkness, but to allows us to walk in the light. All of this, the precious blood accomplishes. We, we see in verse 17 there, and, and actually, I'm going to just kind of read those verses really quick for us. It says in uh, verses 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Again, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. In a sense, you can't, all the hoops that people put in front of you to jump through is not going to redeem you. Uh, But, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And again, for me, I really honed in on verse 17. Uh, Again, if you call on the Father, uh, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. The precious blood allows that to happen, allows us to be able to accomplish those things. First thing he tells us is to calling upon the Father, as Mary shared. And again, for us, it's not just to call upon God, but we get a response from him. It's not just us calling, but we get a response from him. Again, men, we need to call upon the Father. For ourselves, Psalms 50, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me, God says to us. David said, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in mercy, listen, to all those who call upon you. Paul tells us in Romans there, again, quoting from the Old Testament, 10, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But again, a very familiar verse to all of us, Jeremiah 29 But again, we oftentimes just quote a little bit of it, but when you read the whole thing, 
It's an incredible promise for each and every one of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, it begins by saying, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's usually what we read. And we all say, Amen, that is an incredible God that would be able to do that. But then it goes on to say, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Again, I crack up by thinking the God of the universe, man, is willing to stop and listen. It's like, you know, you come up to somebody who maybe you think is important in your mind, and you just want to go up and say, hi, I've done this many times. I go up and say, hi, hi, and then someone else will walk by who's more important, and it's like, boom, they, they forget you and they move on. Listen, God Almighty doesn't do that with you and me. He doesn't say, oh, there's someone bigger on the line. You know, I'm going to go answer the other. another." No, he wants us to call, and he wants to listen to us. And then it goes on to say, and you will seek me, and you'll find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. All of those things. Again, God tells us to call. God says, if you call upon me, you will get a response, not a busy signal, not the message saying, I'm out of the office, try again later, or go talk to my secretary or anything like that. Again, God says, you call, I listen, I'll be found by you. Guys, again, for us, first and foremost, have we called upon the the God of creation? Have we called upon the Father? The writer to the Hebrews tells us this. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, it is by the precious blood that we have access to God Almighty and to the holiest of holies and to basically where Jesus said we come and we call him daddy in a sense. You know, we get to climb on his lap and enjoy time with him. And he wants us to draw near. First and foremost, We call upon him, and the blood is what gives us that access. We draw near to God. The blood washes us, cleanses us, and God will listen and then respond to us. The precious blood allows us to be able to stand before the judge of the earth as well. If you call upon the Father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work, Again, men, the things we do here on this earth, the attitude, actions, even the thought and intent of the heart, God sees and holds each one of us accountable. We live in a world where people just like, they want to believe they can do whatever they want and there is no consequences to their actions. I can go and I can vandalize. I can go and I can rip people off. I can go and I can do all kinds of things and there's no consequence to the actions. Listen, and that's actually going on in the world in which we're living in. That may happen here, but that's not a part of the pilgrim's journey to heaven. That will not happen in heaven. There is a judge who will judge us according to the things we do, our actions, attitudes, and again, guys, my actions and attitudes towards my wife. Revelations 20 says this, and I saw a great white throne, and, and, and he who sat on it, who's, uh, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was no, one, no, no, no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And again, when you and I stand before a holy, righteous God, each one of us, in a sense, are going to be found guilty because the Bible tells us that we have all, that word all means all, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And that word sin is, it's missing the mark. Now, again, some of us think we don't miss the mark as much as other people. And oftentimes we judge our mark by the way in which other people are missing their mark. And I'm thinking, well, if that guy misses the mark by that, then I'm, I'm, I must be okay. But again, God doesn't judge it according to your neighbor or someone else that you're looking at. And that's how we judge. God's judgment is perfection, is perfection. And guys, listen, all you have to do is ask your wife, if you're perfect, if you've done everything right, if you've done everything in your marriage right, and if the answer is, well, you've not done it all right, then in a sense, we have missed the mark. We've missed the mark. And the Bible says we earn something for our actions. The wages of sin is death. We earn death. Judgment is pronounced. We are all pronounced guilty. But I love the fact that that's not the end of the story as far as God is concerned. And that's not the end of the story because of the precious blood. We have someone who's willing to come to our aid. First John 2 says, my little children or my little born-again ones, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And yet, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. An advocate, or it literally means one summoned alongside. So again, we see this is a courtroom scene. Uh, the judge is God. The prosecuting attorney is none other than Satan himself. The one on the stand is me. It's Patrick J. Shore. And yet Satan begins, Pat is guilty. He deserves to burn in hell for all eternity. He is a sinner. And he brings this list of a, a jillion things that I've done wrong. A jillion things that I've done wrong in my marriage. I've done wrong in my, my life. And he says, he is guilty. God looks and says, yep, he's guilty. But then what happens is I summon Someone alongside my attorney stands up. And again, the word attorney, it's someone who is legally appointed or empowered to act for another person. He comes to my aid. He acts in my behalf. I am guilty, but I have someone who I have summoned to be alongside of me. I have an advocate with the Father. And it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation, the means by which all my sin can be covered. He is the one that does that. He is the only sacrifice that satisfies the righteous requirement that God expects. He is it. He himself, Jesus Christ, the righteous, stands there. He is the lamb. He was slain for my sin. It's his precious blood that washes me, that cleanses me from all my sin not only mine, but for the sin of the whole world. And the Bible says, as many as receive him to them, he gave the right to become the sons of God. And yet, I have summoned him to come along my side, and he stands up, and he becomes my advocate. He's my advocate. No longer pronounced guilty. My guilt went on Jesus Christ. His righteousness is put upon me. And I'm no longer looked at as guilty, but now I'm seen as innocent. Again, men, have you summoned Jesus Christ to be your advocate? Have you summoned him to come alongside to cover your sin? Have you made him your advocate today? Again, this is not only for your personal life, but also for your marriage. Because the Bible says sin separates. 
And oftentimes things happen in a marriage and there's separation. And I can't fix it. Mary can't fix it. You know, uh, I think, well, she needs to, to make it all right. And she can't. She wasn't created to do that. She looks at me and says, well, he needs to make it all right. I can't. I wasn't created to do that. The Bible says there's one man, one mediator between God and man. That is the man Christ Jesus. He is the only means by which our sins can be covered. Listen again, and I say this many times. I hate the fact that I do things that cause my wife grief and pain. And after 37 years, I don't think I do it as much as when we first got married, which I used to do a lot. But though I still do that every once in a while, maybe a little bit more than every once in a while, I don't enjoy that. But what I do enjoy is when I grab my wife and we go to the cross of Jesus Christ. We go to our advocate. And there we allow for the forgiveness to flow, the blood to wash, to cover. And then we become one as God intended us to be. And this, guys, is something that is so necessary and needful for each one of us within our marriages. Man, summon Jesus Christ into the center of your relationship and ask for that forgiveness and allow the blood to flow. Lastly, the precious, precious blood allows us to conduct ourselves again. Throughout your time of your stay here in fear, and I love that, throughout your time to stay here. Again, Peter is, remember when he started off there, he's talking about the trials we're going to go through, and yet they're only for a, a time. There's a season. There's going to be a time when those trials are going to be over and done with. Listen, there's going to be a time when COVID is going to be no more, you know. Uh, it's not quite yet. I'm hoping very, very soon, but there will be a time when this will be over, you know. And uh, again, whatever our new Normal will be, that's what that's going to be. Although, listen, our relationship with Jesus, I, I believe he wants it always new. Uh, he doesn't want just the same old, same old, but always new and growing. That's what he wants with us. But so he says, conduct yourselves uh, through your time you stay here in fear. And again, this is really more of the fear of the Lord. Uh, it should cause us to act or conduct ourselves in a healthy way, as well as such a way that your wife would be very pleased with you. Let me say that again. The fear of the Lord should cause us to conduct ourselves in such a way that makes our wives blessed. Men, if she's not blessed, let's stop. Let's look at our actions. Let's look at how we are conducting ourselves with her, and let's maybe figure some of that out and change some things uh, that are not working. The Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It tells us the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It tells us the fear of the Lord, it prolongs the day. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It fear of the Lord, it leads to depart from evil. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And then it says, he who has it, the fear of the Lord, will abide in satisfaction. I love that. You know, we're not going to be singing like Mick Jagger, you know, ain't got no satisfaction. Because the Bible says he opens his hands and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. All of us. He is the one who will satisfy the fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Again, men, we conduct ourselves in the fear of the Lord. Don't, don't walk in darkness. We need to walk in light. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews tells us, let us consider one another in order to stir up Love and good works. Listen, if what's going on within our marriage is not love and good works, uh, we need to stop what we're doing and do something different because it should look like love and good works. 
Okay, then it goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more so as you see the day approaching. Listen, the precious blood allows us to accomplish all of those things, to call upon the Lord and get a response, that we would have an advocate with the Father to be able to stand before the judge so that we're not found guilty and to be able to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner that would honor God as well as our wives within our marriages. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you again for your word the things you have written here within your word. We want to tell you we love you and we thank you. And God, again, I just love this because in a sense, we're just piggybacking off of what Pastor Jeff uh, shared yesterday. Lord, even him working into communion of all that you have done for us, Lord, we are so thankful. And as Mary shared these things, as I share these things again, you're reminding us of what that relationship is supposed to look like. You're reminding us of all that you have done for us. And it's not about the stuff here, but it's about what you have done there. And it's about you desiring that we would be with you in heaven as well. Lord, you know where each and every one of us is at right now. Lord, if we um, have not called upon you, I ask and pray that each one of us right now, you make it very, very simple. You simply say, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And it's just believing that, God, you came, that you died on the cross, you rose again the third day, you ascended to heaven, and there you're seated at the, in the heavenlies, making intercession for us. And, Lord, that is the gospel message. You came to set us free, to deliver us. And it was through the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through that precious blood, Lord, as husbands, Lord, we can love our wives. Uh, and through the precious blood as wives, uh, we can respect our husbands. And, and yet, Lord, through all of that, we can accomplish that because of what you have done for us. We do thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people agree by saying amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. Again, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, we are meeting next week and then we'll be taking a week off, which I thought was supposed to be Halloween um, <laughs> that time. But... Uh, but uh, we'll be meeting next week, and then the following week we'll be taking off. So, okay, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.